You're listening to Solar Insiders, a fortnightly update on the ins and outs of the solar industry and what it means for consumers. With Renew Economy's editor, Giles Parkinson, and leading solar industry veteran, Nigel Morris. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, suppliers of intelligent solar monitoring. Hello and welcome to Solar Insiders, our fortnightly podcast on all things solar and a little bit storage. Um, my name is Giles Parkinson and I'm joined as usual by Nigel Morris. How are you, mate? Fantastic. Thanks, Giles. How are you this fortnight? Well, this fortnight, well, this is a very <laughs> special fortnight because um, it is actually only one week after our last um, Solar Insiders podcast. That's true. Uh, <laughs> which is true, um, but um, it's also the last one for the year. It is. It was. Uh, it was. I think it was a great idea of yours. We can squeeze one more good one in, and we've got plenty to cover this week. Look, we're going to go um, through the year and the highlights of the year. In fact, we're going to go through month by month ba- on basis, simply because um, it was a pretty interesting year. But look, first of all, Nigel, I do want to mention one thing that actually happened on um, Tuesday uh, this week, and it was pretty exciting. The um, 29 cent a kilowatt hour feed-in tariff for solar exports in Victoria during peak demand, which is between, well, they define it as 9pm to 3pm. 3pm till 9, I think. Oh, that's what I said. 3pm till 9. (laughs) 9pm till 3 would be tricky. but It would require a bit more storage than we thought. But Pretty, gra- pretty groundbreaking stuff, isn't it? Oh, this is, it is groundbreaking, you're right. And it's its really, really wonderful to see the Essential Services Commission out of Victoria really leading the way in teasing out the true value of solar. First, it was the carbon offset emission, which they managed to build into the last round, and now really taking um, taking account of the time value of solar. So overdue, something we've all been banging on about for years. It's just wonderful to see. Well, it's interesting because it came out at the same time of a report from AEMO, um, the Australian Energy Market Operator, which is also pretty groundbreaking, looking towards the future grid. And they've almost said basically to the government and other people saying, look, we're fed up with all this. We know we've got to address this. We know we've got to sort of transition to a decarbonised grid. So we're going to start planning for it. And right heavily in their own um in their own crosshairs is really this transition and how it's managed, um, putting in renewable energy zones, um, putting in storage and interconnectors. But one of the main things they're looking at is things like sort of household and what, what the households have to offer with their solar PV. And they reckon there's going to be about another oh, 20, 20 gigawatts of that by 2037 and a lot of battery storage and how to harness that. So all pretty interesting stuff, and that's what the Victorian Energy, um, the Victorian regulator is doing by actually just putting in a scheme which actually encourages people to think about the way they're using energy and their own electricity, and um, giving and, re- an extra... and rewarding them for it, right? Exactly. At, the, at the time that it makes sense for everyone, it's, it's fabulous. Well, I got one comment back on the website pretty quickly, which was, "Well, I'm going to turn my panels around now. They're all facing west." <laughs> <laughs> Yep, there's all to see. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work this stuff out, right? There's a punter, there's a household out there who's worked out there is a way I can get some return from this. And by the way, without even him even having to understand or know that, the network and society gets a benefit. 
Absolutely. And look, we are starting to think, we are starting to see um, a bit of progress on this. I mean, for all our complaints about the sort of, you know, the big picture energy politics and things like that, there's so much happening on the ground and there's actually starting to things and happening in the regulatory environment now. It's been a huge year for solar, as we'll conclude by the end of the program. I mean, a record-breaking year for rooftop solar, certainly a record for large-scale solar, and the beginnings of battery storage. But Nigel, let's go back month to month. Yeah, let's go back. Let's, I, I think this is a nice way to round out the year, Giles, for all our listeners, is to just go back and say, you know, what happened this year? It's been, everyone's been frantic. Everyone's been busy. So we'll go back through and we'll take everyone for a little bit of a journey through, you know, the solar year of 2017. So let's start at the beginning in January. Of course, wasn't so much happening. January is usually a pretty quiet month for the solar industry. But what really struck me uh, was that our carbon emissions got back on track. We, we managed to get our carbon emissions growing again again after um, you know after uh, being they were crushed by the carbon price which really pushed down our emissions but you know thanks to Tony Abbott's policies uh, luckily we got carbon growth back on track and started growing for the first time since the carbon price was introduced so what a way to kick off the year hey aren't we supposed to be reducing them yes we are Mm, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, terrific. And um, I've got to say, um, fast fast track again to this week and the latest report's coming out and it's gotten no better. It's still going the wrong way. We're actually in danger now, according to some estimates, of even missing our Kyoto targets. And if you think basically how easy our Kyoto targets were, it was basically all you had to do was make one step forward and two step back and you got there. That's right. Um, That's unbelie- right. Unbelievable. And, unbelievable. And, it's, and, and, and I think this is a really nice place to start, right? Because, you know, all, all the hype and all the noise was, don't worry, we, you know, we've got electricity prices under control at the beginning of the year and, oh, yeah, carbon emissions have grown. But look, here we are at the end of the year. Electricity prices are out of control again. Carbon emissions are continuing to grow at, at a frantic pace. And so, you know, there's no disputing this now. It's not a little blip. That, that, that came just as the follow-on to a change in policy. This is a sustained trend, and here we are at the end of the year, and it's continuing to get worse. So, you know, hopefully this is starkly obvious to the people that make these decisions now. Well, get this. No, no, no reduction in emissions. Prices out of control, as you say. And we get a report today, um, this week, sorry, um, from the New South Wales government pointing to the risk of a system black in New South Wales. The grid, with the, the grid, which has more dependence on coal than any other grid in the whole world, and yep. the thing might go fat because it. Um, and We're too reliant on coal. Fut. F U double T, right? F U double T. No, I think it was PH actually, but still. Okay. Um, because of all the coal generators in the heat, and um, yeah. Too reliant on coal. Too there you go. There yeah. you go. And, what's and, and, in- and interestingly, you know, uh, what, what, is, what is even more fascinating is, to, is, although a huge amount of this growth in emissions is to do with uh, uh, electricity generation, predominantly from coal, transport is the fastest growing sector, which is being driven, guess what, by all the coal mining predominantly, because there are so many trucks out there and there is so much diesel being used in all that transport. So transport is rapidly becoming a really, really important thing. So I think next year, Giles, I'm going to drag you back into the electric vehicle space and we're going to talk about that every week.
Oh, I think we should actually, because I think electric vehicles are going to be the big things. All we need now Certainly. is an electric vehicle in Australia, uh, and maybe the Tesla big, the, maybe the Tesla truck can um, solve that one. Look, Indeed. let's move on to February, February. because we're stuck into January. Um, and look, um, your brief summary here is LGC prices going into the into a spin. Mm-hmm. Um, that's because one of the big retailers decided it wasn't going to pay the penalty, or it decided it wasn't going to buy LGCs. It was simply going to pay the penalty price. Um, now that set off a bit of fireworks. It, it um, did, and there was really there was a really really interesting moment in the whole life of of um, uh, the clean energy target, right? Because for someone to go, you know what, I'm not going to play your games. I'm just going to pay the money, and I'm just going to pollute. Pretty interesting reaction from the clean energy regulator on the back of that one too, right? Yeah, well, they just basically told them to pull their head in and just sort of say that's not happening. Um, and that was ERM, by the way. And I think Alinta was also a few short. Um, interestingly, they're both back in the market and um, and signing contracts hither and thither. I don't know whether they've quite met their full obligation, but they're certainly much closer to it than um, what we were thinking at the time. Mm-hmm. Now, the other big thing, of course, was the new world talking about blackouts. And this is almost um, we almost went black in February in New South Wales. That's um, right. A couple of days of heat. Liddell had two units out, had been out for about a week. And then just as things got pretty testy, um, the market operator asked um, the two big gas units in New South Wales to switch on to make sure the lights switch stayed on. And they couldn't, and they didn't. Mm. And um, were it not for some voluntary um, demand management by customers after a plea by the New South Wales government and a very unhappy Tamago smelter being Mm. forced to cut back its usage and taking a pot line offline, um, the lights would have gone out. It came very close. And um, I noticed that the New South Wales um, Energy Minister was very thankful of the constant and entirely predictable solar output at that time. True enough. And and, and, and uh, saw some analysis the, that you'd published on your site that actually showed that not only did the combined rooftop solar generation, mostly from mums and dads who'd invested their own money, right? So this is not Mm -hmm. the government buying all these solar systems. Yes, there was some contribution from various different government schemes, but the vast majority of that generation that helped keep the NEM alive in New South Wales was rooftop solar from Mr. and Mrs. Jones putting it on their roof and combined, they contributed towards avoiding almost a billion dollars in penalties over that period. Just remarkable uh, amount of savings generated for the community, for society at large in New South Wales by all the mums and dads here, all to be congratulated. And we should also mention that one of those mums and dads was in fact Malcolm Turnbull himself, who expanded (laughs) his own solar system and put in battery storage at his Point Piper house, um, 14 kilowatts of solar and 14 kilowatt hours of battery storage. Apparently it was his son um, who decided that this was a good idea and entered law for him. But um, ah. I'm told from people wandering the corridors in Parliament House that um, at least for a while, Malcolm couldn't get his eye off his app, looking at all the solar being generated in his house and, his, and, and the storage. Stored in his batteries. There you go. There you go. And while all this is going on, you know, here we are. We've nearly, nearly lost New South Wales. Uh, solar comes to the rescue. The Prime Minister works out that he needs to expand his solar and add batteries. Meanwhile, Tony Abbott's out there calling for the RET to be scrapped again. Of course, no one listened to him, which is uh, becoming par for the course now, but um, just shows you the political environment that we were living in in February. Well, yeah, and nothing much has changed. Let's move on to March. Um, Mm. 
Interesting one there. Um, that was the time at the end of the month. Um, of course, Hazelwood closed down. Um, and we've seen just recently how the big generators basically took advantage of that. Prices went up and everyone thought, well, this is the natural consequence um, of taking um, one low-cost generator out. But the, the reality of it was that it wasn't a low-cost generator because the owners, Angie, decided, had said, made clear it was no longer economic to run. And what we saw afterwards was just the bidding practices changed completely from people like Origin and Energy Australia and AGL and Snowy Hydro. Snowy Hydro in particular is interesting because it's a government-owned asset um, and, and, and owned in large part by the federal government. It basically stopped offering any cheap electricity on the wholesale market. Basically, because competition was reduced, it was out there perfectly legally, perfectly legally, let's say this, but it was just basically pushing up prices as much as it could. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know, I, I think, you know, the closure of Hazelwood um, w was a, a sad thing and, and no doubt a huge, uh, massive upheaval to all those people who'd, um, you know, multiple generations of families who'd, um, you know, sent their kids to school and, and, and paid off their homes uh, and worked a good, hard, honest living. Um, uh, however, it shows... Um, that there is a, a new opportunity and there are new jobs like we're seeing around the world. There are plenty of new jobs out there and it's great to see um, particularly some of the, the cleverer solar companies down around that Gippsland region like the guys down at Gippsland Solar have been out there aggressively trying to recruit people out of the Hazelwood and bring them into solar and help create the new jobs so that they can um, create the next generation of wealth for those locals. Yeah. We also saw the sale of Australia's only panel manufacturer, Tindo, to a, um, a South Australian company, um, mm. remind me. Yeah, that's right. We'll come back to that one because we also interviewed um, uh, the new owners later one. on. So we'll come back. But that was that was sold back in March. Um, then, then we had a couple of tweets as well by a couple of billionaires, which led to the 100 <laughs> megawatt battery that we've now got in there. That's right. What a, what a furor that was. Uh, we had people running around the office actually virtually screaming at each other saying oh my god can you believe what's just happened uh musk's just agreed to give away you know the biggest battery in the world if it's not done within 100 days it was a monumental point in time and and good old australia first cab off the rank largest battery ever and and good on tesla has to be said delivered it ahead of time too ultimately yeah yeah look and um and um, and, and, and doing some really interesting things on the market as we've been reporting um a couple other things happened um solar pioneers gathered in um this is an event that you hosted actually gathered in sydney to celebrate a combined 2500 years of solar experience <laughs> yeah, right. which meant if there was one bloke it went down before jesus but um <laughs> All I can say in that case was that development's been remarkably slow. <laughs> yeah, no, I hadn't thought about it that way, but you're quite right. And looking at the age of the people in the room, you could have uh, easily been mistaken for thinking some of us had been around for that long. Um, actually, a, a remarkable event, first time it had ever been held. So again, another, we, we've only picked out the real gems here, Giles, in the year, you know. This was an absolute gem. Never happened before uh, in Australia's history. Uh, we, we didn't know how many people we were going to get when you call for people that have that you could only get a ticket if you'd been in the industry for more than 25 years. And I think we 
had to cut the, the we we ran out of space in the venue at something like 87 or 88 people and there were others who wanted to come and and couldn't make it so uh fantastic celebration of the 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 pioneering work that had been done uh and continues to be done on a, a, you know uh, as a side note you know our, we've got so much talent in australia one of our founders the other day was announced as one of the eighth most influential people in renewables in the world uh just the other day dr renata egan uh a, a, another of the classic group of solar oh, pioneers fantastic. wonderful fantastic. news wonderful news there was news down in south australia as well with agl right well, LGL had its um, virtual power plant. Well, it, it announced the um, start of it, and, and that had um, that, that was actually well. Um, it hasn't quite gone to plan. I've got to say, their virtual power plant. They've had to rethink it a couple of times along the way. But um, it was a fascinating um, event because it basically had um, Jay Weatherall and um, Josh Frydenberg <laughs> having a go at each other live on television, which was wonderful. Yeah, um, the uh, the announcement didn't go exactly how uh, how it was planned. Uh, made for great press, have to say. Made for uh, great press. Yep. <laughs> Um, but it was, again, a really, really remarkable thing to see the first sort of large-scale trial of amalgamating batteries together in residential homes predominantly and saying, let's see if we can amalgamate all this energy together and trade it into the market to support network uh, uh, demands, to support uh, householders and all those types of things. So mm. uh, terrific, uh, terrific innovation by AGL to be involved in that. Yeah, and a couple other things we'll just mention passing because um, we still spent a lot of time in March. Um, Sonnen with their new battery energy deal, and I guess we'll come back to that later in the program. Yeah, and um, and the government um, on Snowy Hydro too. Yeah, and we're supposed to have seen the feasibility study, but I don't know where it is. It must have fallen in someone's bottom drawer. It's coming out after Christmas. I'm not too sure. Mm, it's taking. Uh, they're taking their time on that one. Interestingly, now April's an interesting one. Um, that's when Australia hit six gigawatts of rooftop solar, which was a major breakthrough. Um, researchers at ANU achieved 26.4 efficiency using a stacked configuration of silicon and perovskite solar cells, continuing the extraordinary record setting of Australian researchers at ANU and UNSW and other places in um, efficiency records around Australia. And, um, and that's just fantastic. That's right. And we, I'm really intrigued about the perovskite um, solar cells. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, it, it has been, you know, really the flavour of the year. There were, there were several announcements uh, from around the world uh, about that technology and about how it was really um, very, very promising for reducing cost and um, continuing to drive efficiency up. So um, hopefully we might see some of that starting to flow out into the, uh, out into the manufacturing facilities of various manufacturers next year. Absolutely, yeah. And you look, you've also got in your um, records here, Australian comedian Tom Gleeson <laughs> hilariously describes the bizarre world of retail energy. Yeah. And, and look, I, look, I do remember that, and that was it was a very funny one. Um, but there was another great one too, and, and a bit sad. It was, um, I think it was the second last episode of John Clark and um, Brian Dore together, because uh, yeah. John Clark, um, he, he died while bushwalking he in Tasmania. Yeah. But I've got to say that we uploaded the video of that. It was just like, you know... You spent 25 years in the solar industry. I spent 10 years writing about the solar industry, and these two just summed it up in two minutes. Right. It was just... Right. I mean, that's the gift of a comedian. And we loaded up on the website and it just went off. And it's just went one of off. the most read stories of the year. And look, there's two things that really struck me about this and why I think it's a, a salient moment in the year. Firstly, whenever anyone can describe retail energy 
in less than half an hour in a way that consumers, the way the whole industry works, in a way that consumers can understand, um, you know, props to you because it's a confusing, difficult thing to explain quite often. And if they can do that uh, successfully and get a laugh, then they get tick number two for me because, you know, in this grand, uh, grand old life of ours, um, one thing that uh, someone wise once said to me is, Nigel, uh, make sure you laugh at least once a day because, you know, you can't take it too seriously. Well, just think if we were good comedians, we could actually do this podcast in one and a half minutes. <laughs> That's right. It'd be so much simpler. Let's go to May. Yes. Now, this is the release or the final release of the CSIRO's Low Emissions Technology Roadmap. Um, and it's oh, this basic. was huge. This was well, huge. Well, it was huge, but it went largely ignored by the mainstream media, I've got to say. I'm banging my yeah. head on the table once again. Um, it's mm. It's... Its, its biggest finding was just giving the pathway to a de- decarbonised grid, but the most outstanding finding was that using 90% renewable energy is cheaper than using 45% renewable energy, and there are no technical challenges. And just remember, this is the CSIRO and Energy Networks Australia working together, basically people who understand engineering and know what they're doing. Yep. And, and this, is, this is the thing, actually, going through the year, looking back over all the things that have happened and have been released and have been talked about, the thing that just really blows my mind, Giles, um, is that over and over and over again throughout the year, and this is what just one example of it, here are the, the incumbents saying, yeah, okay, it makes sense. Let's do renewables. Yep, there's Absolutely. no technical challenge. Yep, it's actually going to be cheaper. Again and again and again and again. So this was back in May, and yet here we are towards the end of the year. And, and if you believe uh, uh, some, of the, um, uh, some of the Luddites uh, who are in government, um, you know, we still have to have this debate. Uh, yet the incumbents and the generators and everyone else are telling us it makes a whole lot of sense. Uh, there's a theme developing here. Uh, perhaps we should no, send this to it? the Prime Minister, I think. <laughs> Indeed. Look, you've, also got, you've also got for the um, for the month of May, Audrey Ziegelman appointed as CEO of AEMO. Now, I actually think you've got that out of date because I remember it was actually she was actually appointed while I was sitting in a camping ground in a forest in Tasmania because um, I remember sort of texting a message into the person that was looking after Renew Economy at that day, uh, and she she actually took up her job in March. But look, that's okay uh, because they've just put out a report in um, in December, which just basically confirms the same thing as what the CSIRO I said. So you've got a email. We mentioned this at the start of the podcast, yep. basically saying, look, the future here is possible. We're going to have to change. We might as well start planning for it. Yep. Yep, no, that's right. And, um, you know, it's been great to see um, Audrey um, really bring AEMO um, to the fore a bit more, I think. You know, we've heard, I think we've heard more from AEMO and, and from Audrey uh, Zebelman than we've heard from AEMO in some years and, and much more progressive tone to the to the messages that they're sending well, out as well. Well, I think there's been a huge cultural change there and, 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 and that's good. Mm. Um, look, a couple of other things. Um, this was the month that Rooftop Solar overtook the Gladstone generator I think it is to become Queensland's largest generator by capacity mm-hmm. 1.8 megawatts if that's not a milestone I don't know what is you know the single Indeed. largest generator in one of Australia's states is solar is anybody listening out there in Canberra <laughs> and also that month the Osnet the Victoria utility um, took part of the Melbourne suburb off grid something that they've actually just done again and we've reported it this week in one step off the grid I saw that um, for yes, a longer period this time for so a longer period so, so that trial's obviously continuing quite successfully right yeah, look, and I think um, Osnet's got some interesting things to announce next year about Malakuta, which is in the northeast of the state. And it's really interesting how they're supporting. Um, oh, I forgot the name. Um, 
Um, what's that? What's that town that wants to go 100% renewables? Um, oh yeah, um, oh, I can't sake. remember their name, but we wish them all the best with that. I'm really embarrassed now. I can't think of it. But um, <laughs> but what's really interesting is that is that Osnet is actually supporting it and just saying this is a really good idea. We can help you do this. Fantastic. Indeed. Indeed. Now, it, it reminds me, there are two other things here that remind me of two themes that uh, we haven't even got specifically mentioned uh, throughout here, but two themes that came up every single month for us, um, uh, both in um, Solar Insiders and also in your blogs, uh, were these two. Number one, every single month of this year, there were multiple large-scale solar project announcements, sometimes gigawatts in a given month, right? Just mind-blowing and, and unprecedented amount of large-scale stuff. So we haven't listed any of them or named any of them because there were simply too many. We would have spent the whole podcast talking about all the <laughs> announcements that were made last year. And as I was going back through the list, it was really uh, quite profound and, 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 again, historic. That's never, ever happened before in Australia. And finally, we turned that corner from the investment drought um, that had been driven into the space by uncertainty at least the large-scale guys felt like things were happening. So that was one theme that we saw, and, and you know, congratulations to all the large-scale guys who I know have worked so hard. The other thing um, that started to pop up um, in, in May and that we saw pretty much every month was a continuing um, uh, focus on... Um, solar retailers not doing the right thing and and in the case of may we saw a winding order up uh winding up order issued by the ato ato and one of australia's largest solar retailers and again virtually every month we saw either um enforcement actions or we saw consumer warnings or we saw all sorts of things so yeah the downside of a big strong year on solar is that um you know the crackdowns have to come on the less scrupulous solar retailers Absolutely. Moving into May and uh, into June, sorry, and um, Corey Bernardi joins the solar world with 12 kilowatts of solar at his family home. Mm, I wonder how that's going. I wonder. Well, well I, I do wonder. He must have a bloody big home if he's using 12 kilowatts. Um, I don't. I haven't heard yet whether he's actually got storage. Um, but, I, I, um, I know that the plan was, and okay, June. So we're not even 12 months out. But the plan was, put your solar on, monitor it carefully. Get a handle on your consumption, understand when you're using energy, look for the opportunities to load shift and do everything else so you're maximising the use of your solar. And then once we've got all that nicely settled down in a year or so, we'll come back and do the storage. So in a few months' time, the guys who supplied that solar system, I'm sure, will be going back saying, hey, Corey, guess what we can do for you now? Well, what he could do is actually point all those panels west, lie about his location, and get a very big feeding tariff from the Victorian retailers. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Although the, pro the problem he's going to have is if he touches that solar system, SAPN are probably going to slap an export limit on him because he's got 12 kilowatts. So, you know, he's, unless he's using it all effectively, he may have to put... Well, no, storage isn't going to help him because there's some limits there as well. Yeah. Uh, that'll be interesting to D see. Just want to touch on one more thing in June, and that was finally when the Finkel report came out. Um, mm. Interesting. Um, basically, the Conservatives have been lining him up for a while saying, what would he know? He's just an electrical engineer. Um, 
But look, the report was um, was a pretty good one. Um, but the major rep- the major look, a lot of really good recommendations about sort of the running of the grid and 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 um, and, and doing various things. The the main one though was the clean energy target. Look, I've got to say I was a bit critical of the clean energy target at the time because I thought it was sort of downplaying the importance and the speed with which we need to transition. But even that was obviously too much for the right wing of the coalition. So um, that got ditched as well. Mm. Yeah, it's true. And, and you know, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see where the how many of the recommendations of the Finkel report actually flow through. There's been a lot of talk about the report for the remainder of the year and, and certainly um, an indication that many of his recommendations are being embedded into policy. Um, it'll be really interesting to do a stock take in uh, in June next year and, 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 and do a report card for the government on how much they've actually implemented of that. Yeah. Hey, look, let's move on to July because um, we're only halfway through and we've got a bit to talk about still. STC prices dropped by 10% for the first time in years. Now, what what was the cause of this? I think it was just a bit of an oversupply. Um, and But it caught a few people... Uh, caught, caught a, caught a few people out didn't it it did and and look it was one of those glitches that can happen in stc prices um there was a whole lot of things going on and and you know ultimately the price can be shifted uh people investors can be spooked in that market and there was a sense that that might have been what happened was that everyone got the sense that we were uh that everyone's requirement for the year was pretty well booked out and the market was uh, was booming so you know maybe the demand wasn't going to be there so the price dropped for the first mm. time which cost the industry millions and millions of dollars uh there are a lot of people who got caught because it happened so suddenly so uh, certainly something to watch out for uh although it's settled for the remainder of the year which is great uh, there was also another announcement uh, from another utility company so transgrid came out and said yeah 100 percent renewables certainly possible <laughs> they're, so- just, they're just a network company what would they know <laughs> Transmission, even the transmission guys are getting in on it. You know, we've got utilities, network companies, retailers, and uh, transmission companies all saying the same thing now. It's interesting. It was also the month that we launched this podcast, Solar Insiders, with a feature What is Crap Solar and Why It Matters? Um, and that was basically, look, it was a great start. I think it was a good start. It's, it's a topic that um, certainly talking to mums and dads and looking in social, looking at social media, it's a topic that people grapple with all the time is they've heard horror stories and they do want to do the right thing. They do want to buy um, a decent quality system. Um, they want a good deal. Um, so how do they navigate? And that's where we kicked off uh, this series um, by trying to help people understand how to navigate that a little bit. Yeah. Look, we move off into August and, um, well, another couple of episodes. One, we sort of looked at rooftop isolators and fire risks associated with um, solar. And um, we discussed the sort of the, um, the issue of energy awareness and STCs, both yep. good episodes. Yep, unraveled the, the kind of mystery of how STCs work and, and why being aware of energy is a way to, to uh, reduce your electricity costs, your energy costs, set yourself up for solar or set yourself up for storage if you've already got solar. Mm, yeah, and um, a couple of um, couple of um, solar retailers got nabbed for not doing the right thing on the STCs, which was good to see the regulator cracking down on that because it's certainly been, you know, a story that um, you know is, is often told, but. Um, you don't often see much action, so that was um, that was pretty positive. That's right. Not easy to do those enforcement actions. So um, you know, good on the the, the clean energy regulator uh, for forcing that through. And there's been plenty more cases since then too. 
Yeah, it was also yeah. the same month that we saw, um, you know, following on from the Snowy Hydro uh, announcement earlier on the year. That was a great big announcement that hasn't resulted in anything yet. But uh, lo and behold, um, I think it was Professor Blakers, wasn't it, down at ANU, um, popping his head up again. Um, uh, he and his team identified five thousand, no less than 5,000 potential pumped hydro energy storage sites in Australia, highlighting the, the, uh, the, the awesome viability of pumped hydro as a storage source. Yeah, look, what I found particularly interesting about that report was the fact that you could actually have renewables backed up with pumped hydro. Um, so renewables would cost about more, about $50, $60, $70 a megawatt hour. Pumped hydro, the storage would probably add another $25 a megawatt hour. Basically, you could come out with a fully 100% renewable grid at a lower cost of what electricity is being sold on at the market right now. Um, I think that was a major development. And that's not including the sort of the expected price falls over coming years. So um, once again... Just demonstrating renewables are feasible and affordable right now, I think, Giles, right? Look, I think so. Mate, um, we're, we're skipping along to um, September. And, September, um, yeah. Now, this is where we had a bit of a crunch with Tesla because they're all rushing around trying to fill up, well, getting, getting battery cells to put in their power packs to send off to South Australia and put next to the Hornsdale farm because they had about a... About a hundred days to um, put the um, put the uh, Tesla big battery in after signing the contract, and that's had a bit of an impact, or had a bit of an impact, on the um, on the, the residential floor. deployment, right? Absolutely, yeah. everyone was told they've got to wait six months. That's right, that's right. It's it started to flow a bit better now, I believe. Uh, talking to people out there in the, in the industry, but there's no doubt at all that part of the reason we aren't going to reach the early projections for uh, residential battery deployments this year is due to that uh, that slowdown. Uh, through a surge in demand for Tesla, um, uh, we'll get there in the end. We also we also had uh, rule changes on STCs, which was great. Some more anti-fraud protection uh, measures that came through uh, to stop people from double dipping and and doing fraudulent warranty claims. I think that from memory that kicks in at the end of this month, the beginning of next year. So um, that'll again, it's another good thing. We saw some great activity through the year to tighten up on these rules. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And um, there was some more. Look, there's some interesting things on some businesses actually going 100% renewables too. You've got a story, um, noted a story here in our notes about um, one of the um, WA's biggest pig farm about to go 100% renewable energy. And um, I also think it was the month when uh, Nectar Farms also said that they were going to go 100% renewables with what was, well, what will be Australia's biggest greenhouse. Um, that's going to be built in an old gold mine in, in Stall. And um, they were actually going to build this overseas because they couldn't get any decent gas and electricity supplies. So what they've decided to do is basically electrify the whole process rather than using gas to heat the greenhouse, build a wind farm, put in some battery storage, and it's going to be much cheaper than what they could possibly do otherwise. Hmm. Say it again, reliable and affordable, I think, uh, to Giles. Um, oh, goodness me. <laughs> <laughs> despite, that, we, uh, despite that, in that same month, we, uh, we had some PV supply crunches looming. We were starting to forecast uh, that if demand kept growing, we might see those supply crunches starting to impact. And sure enough, they, uh, they did later in, a little bit later in the year. Um, and we also saw, again, some of the, you know, the argy-bargy going on with, you know, the coalition's... Um, uh, energy targets. One of the one of the side uh, consequences of that, uh, as found by the Energy Security Board, that it may require us to go slow on rooftop solar. So you know we've still got this 
you know, diametrically opposed view within government, which is driving us all crazy. On the one hand, they're uh, uh, delivering great things and supporting great things, and we're seeing great things happening out there, and everyone's telling us it's working and let, let us get on with it. And in the meantime, we've still got policymakers messing around and saying, well, yeah, sure, you can manipulate, manipulate price, and sure, you can gouge on electricity pricing. It's quite within the rules. So um, still a well, testing environment. Yeah, well, that goes back to the Energy Security Board and this sudden proposition of the National um, Energy Guarantee, which is basically a consequence of the fact that Turnbull had um, rejected the clean energy target, Finkel's clean energy target, and had to come up with something. So um, they put out a call. Ten days later, they got an email, a letter back saying, well, let's do this National Energy Guarantee. Um, sounds nice in principle. However, the details that we know so far, well, there are no details, but the modelling is truly frightening. And as you say, it basically envisages a decade where nothing much happens in either large-scale solar or large-scale wind or rooftop solar. Plus, the big concern is putting more hands in the power of the gen tailors who basically been, as you pointed out, manipulating the market perfectly legally. They're just exercising their right of competition or the lack of competition. But I think there's got to be much water to go under the bridge um, before we see the final product in April. And I think there's a realisation now that they're not going to get this passed unless they address these issues. And um, I hope they're certainly taking that seriously. Yeah, I look forward to seeing, uh, again, where they get to with all of those kinds of things and, and the Energy Security Board, another body that's been sort of out in the front line uh, a little bit more and talking more about what's going on. So look forward to hearing yeah. more from them next year. Well, that takes us to October, and all mm. this talk about very high electricity prices pushed, um, continued to push rooftop solar installations up to at, at record-breaking speed. And I think October was not not notable because it went over 100 megawatts for the month mm. for the first time. Um, certainly, the first time since the premium feed-in tariffs of you know two of five years earlier. Um, and that just shows, shows no sign of stopping. That's right. And at, at the same time, whilst uh, installs were were flying out the door and uh, happening at a at a at record-breaking pace, we also saw Victoria, South Australia, and Western Australia all having record low demand, thanks predominantly to wind and solar, which delivered as much as 44% of demand. And it was interesting looking back over your stories, Giles, at the repeated announcements. Well, there's been a new record. It was 34%, or it was 36, or it was 30. Or it was 44, and there were multiple announcements about how records were just being broken thanks to renewables delivering incredible amounts of energy out into the grid throughout the year. Yeah, well, quite extraordinary. Yeah, and, and that was mostly in spring. That was before it got too hot and before most of the air conditioners came on. Um, for instance, this week, I don't think you're going to see record low demands. I think it's probably going to be pretty close <laughs> to record high. But yeah. uh, that's the beauty of spring. You sometimes get these beautiful sunny days, lots of solar being produced, not a lot of demand. And I think sometime in the future, not too distant future, within five years, we're going to see in South Australia, for instance, and pretty soon afterwards in Western Australia, days where the amount of electricity produced by rooftop solar is actually equivalent to the total demand in the state and that's extraordinary yeah it, it's uh, it's inevitable that it's going to happen and, and 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 i mean just around the month out uh, as in a classic example of the diametrically opposed policy environment we're in on the one hand the on the one hand uh, the poor uh, population out on lord howe island out there who are relying on diesel generation have been desperately trying to get renewables on the ground over there for ages finally got the answer uh, handed down by uh, Minister Frydenberg, which was, no, we're not going to support renewables on Lord Howe Island, which is devastating for all those people out there who really want to get off diesel gen. In the meantime,
meantime, Northern Territory government comes out and says, yeah, we're going to do a 50% 50, 50 renewables plan. So we've got a state saying we're going to ramp it up and, in fact, we can do 50% without any trouble at all. Meanwhile, federal politicians saying to an island colony, an, an island state of, uh, of Australia hanging off the coast, no, 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 you've got to stick with diesels. It's honestly, Giles, honestly. Yeah, no, that was pretty frustrating. That was pretty frustrating. Look, um, moving on to November... Um, a few more issues um, coming in with, um, with 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 solar supply. Actually, um, interestingly, um, China's <laughs> you put this you put this subject up in one of our um, Solar Insiders episodes. Actually, um, just about the pollution. Um, That's right. That's um, right. They closed you know. all the factories down, Giles. Remember, they 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 literally shut down. Cripes, if I remember rightly, it was like 80,000 factories were told to, glow, uh, to, told to go home. A lot of PV plants and manufacturing facilities associated with the PV value chain were included in that. We're now hearing about uh, semiconductor and electronics industries that were also caught up in it, um, largely because they uh, were uh, using coal-fired energy, uh, generously donated by, <laughs> were sold uh, by the Australian coal industry to China, and they'd polluted the place so much that uh, the government said, no, 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 we have to shut you down. Uh, we're using too much energy. And, and on top of which, uh, uh, this, all the solar farms, the hunt, uh, tens and tens and tens of gigawatts of solar farms in China are under-generating, underperforming because the pollution's so heavy. What an what, what a, what a incredible situation. Yeah, quite right. Look, there's another episode of Solar Insiders, which I thought was a really terrific one. Um, it was um, with the guys over at Tindo Solar, which we mentioned earlier on, and just talking about um, the idea of expanding into battery storage manufacturing line and expanding their solar PV. Um, a fantastic story. Just goes against all what we hear about you can't manufacture stuff in Australia. That's right. Great, um, great to hear those guys uh, who've been uh, hanging on for some years now, and now they're really sounds like they're on a really great, great growth uh, spurt and, and uh, got new owners earlier in the year. So terrific to see them uh, charging on. We also heard uh, more on the on the bad side of things. We saw complaints about particularly about solar door knockers and some uh, official reports handed down uh, for w advising consumers to be aware and looking to the industry to try and get this under control. Um, we also had an EV charging record attempt over in WA. I'm still waiting to hear back on the results of that, but that was uh, that was a good one. And then we jumped to episode 10, Giles. Uh, heard some more stories yeah, about uh, dodgy solar activities, but also talked about smart meters and dumb results. Oh, indeed. Look, I'm not going to get into that one that very much, but I'm just. Um, it was also the time when the, um, the the Tesla big battery finally went live. Um, oh, yes. And that was pretty exciting down in um, Jamestown. And um, that's been going live ever since and it's been doing some very interesting things. Just its rebidding, just its um, the speed with with its, with which it's acting on the market, selling not just energy but also FCAS, which is this sort of you know the frequency and ancillary services, really changing the way that people are starting to think about the grid. And just remember, this is just one battery that's already having quite an impact. Um, when we get more of these around the place, it's really going to change things. I think. Yeah, and look, you know, biggest battery in the world. It went live. Uh, it worked. We've seen them discharging to full capacity over the last few days. Um, you know, it, it didn't uh, didn't create the end of the world as the naysayers might have had. Uh, meanwhile, back in New South Wales, um, the Innovative Nationals Party said, "Well, we should build some new coal-fired generators in New South Wales." Um, they're right well, on. They're right on top of the game, really. Those guys, aren't they, Joel? Yeah. Well, they weren't the only ones because the um, the LNP mob up in Queensland had proposed the very same thing. And 
Fortunately, the election result did not go in their favour and we saw the re-election of the um, Palaszczuk Labour government and that is actually fantastic news for the solar and the wind industry because it basically means that we've got um, another four years of labour there and more progress towards their 50% renewable target by 2030. And I think by the time that um, 2020 or 2021 comes around in the next election, um, I just don't think there's going to be any doubt that, um, you know, not even the LNP can reverse um, progress there because it's just going to be... Um, it's going to be overwhelming evidence. And there is just, I mean, Queensland's just a fantastic story. It's gone from basically zero to, I reckon, by the end of next year, it's probably going to have 2,000 megawatts of large-scale solar installed to go on top of the 2,000 megawatts of rooftop solar. Uh, incredible. And, and you know, the thing that I'm actually, irrespective of your political bias or anything else, the one thing that I'm really, really happy about in Queensland, Giles, is that they, they had a, they started to get some momentum going, right? They were getting their policies in place. They were seeing investment coming, um, you know, put aside all the uh, the promises about jobs from great big multinationals and everything else. There are people employed now deploying solar uh, stations now, people with funding and projects lined up ready to go. Um, they, they're not asking for a billion dollars from the government, right? So the good thing is the momentum uh, that the, the, the Palaszczuk government uh, uh, did so much hard work on, they can now deliver on that. So um, that second phase of, uh, of their policy uh, will be really, really really interesting to see uh, if they can actually deliver on that. It'd be great. Fantastic, absolutely. Now, December, the last month, the current month, um, mm. look, I guess the best, the big thing here was AGL basically taking on the federal government and saying, no, we are not going to keep open Liddell. Um, you can go and take your coal um, generation ideas and shove it where it doesn't, where the sun doesn't, doesn't shine or where shine. the sun does shine, <laughs> preferably. Um, AGL's point was that, um, look, if you want to keep open Liddell, it's going to cost a heap of money and it's going to be really expensive. If we actually turn towards renewables and some storage and a couple of gas peakers, which maybe they won't even put in, and some demand management is going to be a lot cheaper. Cheaper. Uh, it's going to be cheaper, cleaner, and, and more reliable. That's right. And it's going to add that valuable diversity. I can remember talking for decades ago, uh, looking around the world at other energy networks and saying, you know, when you look at the most reliable networks around the world, what have they got? They've got diversity. They're not reliant on a single form of generation. At the end of a great big long line, they've got multiple sources of generation coming from every resource they can possibly get. We're blessed with a, a wide variety of resources here. And it's great to see uh, when you start to see, you know, what was formerly one of the largest coal-fired generators in the country, uh, redundant through natural causes. It's, it's led a good life. It's led a long life. It's been wonderful while we've had it, but its natural life is over now. And, and, and organically, renewables are there and ready to start stepping in. It's just wonderful. The other thing that struck me in December on this same topic, Giles, was uh, a little report I picked up on uh, talking about clean coal. Oh, yeah. Well, that was just, yeah, $450 million spent. If you go back to 2007, Australia was going to be a global leader in carbon capture and storage, and we're going to have 20 plants up and running by 2020. Well, the Auditor's Office report came out and just looked at these programs. Basically, $450 million wasted, no technology ready, not a single... Um, not a single um, kilo. Not, not a ton of abatement. Not a not, ton of not abatement. Not one ton for $450 million. Money wasted. But meanwhile, meanwhile, i got to say, um, we went over the one gigawatt mark for rooftop solar for the first time, which was a fantastic... Um, which was a fantastic um, achievement. Um, in fact, um, what I can actually reveal now is that um, by the end of December, the installed capacity of rooftop solar will have overtaken the installed capacity of... 
gas-fired, um, um, sorry, open cycle gas-fired generation in Australia. Wow, wow. I don't know how many, how many records do you have to break to become a hero, Giles? Because this is what gets me, is where this industry is just kicking goals all over the joint and uh, not everyone seems to be appreciating the great work yeah. that's being done by so many people. It's incredible. Now, look, what, just briefly, um, looking towards 2018, um, look, I think we're going to see some pretty exciting developments. I think we're going to see more storage being rolled out, um, Tesla battery. It's going to be interesting to see what happens over summer and the role that it plays, um, how the um, coal generators hold on in the heat. We're going to see rooftop solar continuing at another gigawatt at least. We're going to see a lot more wind and large-scale solar finally being connected um, as a result of the RET. But I think we're going to see more household storage um, finally, I think, take off. And it's just interesting to see how the regulators are starting to think about battery storage and how they can actually be harnessed and linked together and actually provide real services to the grid. Yeah, true. Uh, I think I think next year is really going to be the the big one for for solar and storage. Everyone's had a good chance to to play with some good volumes of product now and test a whole bunch of theories. And we've had uh, pilot trials. There was uh, the findings of a pilot trial done by uh, Ergon uh, that were released the other day that had some really interesting findings in them. So we've we've kind of done all the pilot trials. We've got a reasonable quantity of uh, you know thousands of systems out there now. Um, and I think next year. We we should see all that consolidate into um, you know good and solid growth for for the whole industry. It's going to be fantastic. Okay, so um, time to say a few thank yous. I think for um, for the year, Nigel. Yeah, indeed, we do have to say thank yous um, because um, you know there are a lot of people whose opinions, data, information, and um, and support uh, has has really helped us uh, pull all this information together into into a show. Um, I wanted to have a, a big shout out, particularly to to Rick Brazal uh, from Green Energy Markets, who's who's always got his finger on the pulse, and Warwick Johnston, not far behind him uh, down at Sunwiz, uh, Andrew Burgess, Burgess from Solar Juice. If, if there's any anyone out there who knows what's going on in the industry, it's him. Uh, we had Mark Cavanagh and Jack Longy Long uh, both on as guests this year, and they're a, they're a constant source of, of great technical advice. Uh, the whole team here at Solar Analytics who, who um, uh, are endlessly supportive of, of us, you know, me spending time helping to pull facts and stories together and research for this show. And of course, uh, the last one, uh, just because I think it's so important to enjoy life and, and get a joke and, and a laugh along the way is uh, Finn Peacock at Solar Quotes and, and uh, Ronald Brakel who writes for him, who, who uh, never failed to make me laugh every single week uh, with their hilarious blogs um, uh, so yeah thanks to all those and, and lots of other people there who we probably should thank as well but they're the main ones who stuck out to me and of course to you Giles um, for continuing your tireless efforts with Renew Economy and One Step Off the Grid well thanks very much Nigel and thanks to um, you for um, co-hosting on um, Sol Solar Insiders and for Solar Analytics for being a sponsor of Solar Insiders really do appreciate it without their support it can't be done um, thanks to Anne who does the recordings and the editing for Solar Insiders and thanks for all the people who actually listen um, to Solar Insiders and there's um, at least a thousand of you out there each week and the numbers are growing and um, we really like you to sort of you know share the news about it give us a response 
response. Uh, give it a review on iTunes. Um, tell people about it and give us your feedback. Um, it's um, it's just really gratifying sort of turning up at places and people coming up to you and saying, oh, look, I listened to your podcast. It's fantastic. Really enjoying it. Keep it up. Yeah. Yeah. So should we come back and do it all again next year, Giles? Well, I think we should. Don't we? Why don't we? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> That's a great idea. That's a great idea. Let's do that. <laughs> End of January. Fantastic. We'll be back, hey? End of January. We'll be back. So look, in the meantime, Nigel, have a great holiday. Um, have too. a great holiday to um, all our listeners. Have a safe travels. Um, um, sit safely on the beach. Go swimming safely in the sea. Um, catch a few waves. <laughs> drink a few beers. Have a few glasses of champagne. Eat some nice food. Yeah, and nice enjoy, the kids and, and the family. Enjoy a little break if you can get it. I know there's a lot of solar installers out there who aren't getting a holiday, but... Uh, uh, to all those who are getting a break, enjoy it, recharge, get ready for the next one. It's going to be an exciting year. Thanks very much, Nigel, and goodbye from now. Solar Insiders is brought to you by Solar Analytics, designers and suppliers of smart solar monitoring. By navigating the changing energy landscape, Solar Analytics helps increase solar performance and saves money. Visit solaranalytics.com.au, get empowered and make the most of your home energy.